Welcome to St Anne's Church in Stonehouse on this beautiful spring day. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. It's great to have you with us. If you enjoy our time together, if you're watching, then I'd encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page so that you don't miss out on anything. If you're listening to the podcast, then please follow and subscribe. And of course, share with all your friends. You can find all our previous services on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk as well as information about who we are and what happens here, and more importantly, how you can join in. This week I'm off working elsewhere, so our preacher today is one of our elders and worship leaders, Dr Anne Thompson. Our prayers are led by our session clerk, Fiona Anderson, but first our scripture today is read from Luke chapter 13 verses 1 to 9, and it's read by Mira. At that time, some people were there who told Jesus about the Galileans whom Pilate had killed, while they were offering sacrifices to God. Jesus answered them, Because those Galileans were killed in that way, do you think it proves that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, indeed. And I tell you that if you do not turn from your sins, you will all die as they did. What about those 18 people who were killed in Siloam when the tower fell on them? Do you suppose that this proves that they were worse than all the other people living in Jerusalem? No, indeed. And I tell you that if you do not turn from your sins, you will all die as they did. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was once a man who had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, so he went looking for figs on it, but found none. He said to his gardener, Look, for three years I have been coming here to look for figs on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. But why should it go on using up the soil? But the gardener answered, Leave it alone, sir. Just one more year. I will dig round it and put in some manure. Then, if the tree bears figs next year, so much the better. If not, then you can have it cut down. When bad things happen to good people. There's a westerly wind coming from the Mediterranean and Jesus is with a crowd. There is a free song of anxiety and stress spreading through the air and the Galileans are clearly upset. They tell Jesus of recent disturbing events. Pilate, the notoriously cruel governor, has slaughtered a group of Galileans, but thereafter treated them disrespectfully according to Jewish law, which is a great insult. Jesus is a Galilean and may even have known these people. We don't know, it doesn't say. Pilate is the personification of the fear-inducing brutality of the so-called Pax Romanus. It is chilling to think that when we meet Pilate again at the end of Luke's Gospel, he will do the same to another Galilean, to Jesus himself. It was a commonly held belief in these times that bad things happen only to people who have sinned, and they must really have sinned for God to punish them. But Jesus rebukes them for saying this. Do you, see, do you think that Galilean, these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you no. He's saying that they must not see tragedy as a divine punishment. Sin does not cause atro- atrocities to happen, they just do. But we still think about that, don't we, on some level? There's a book which you may have heard of and I've recommended many times during my working life. It's called Why do bad things happen to good people? It's never been out of print since 1981 
The author wrote it after the death of his son at an early age, and it's helped millions of people through various tragic events over the years. The author, Harold Kushner, acknowledges in the 20th anniversary edition that he owes its success to the clergy who have made it a bestseller in the US. It is a standard text in many associated disciplines, and I've given away many copies. So why do bad things happen to good people? We see innocent people every day suffer tragedy and misfortune in this life. Things happen to them that are far worse than they deserve. They lose jobs, they get sick, they are victims of crime or natural disasters, or their country is invaded by an aggressive neighbour. But when it happens, it doesn't represent God punishing them for something they did wrong. These misfortunes are terrible events and they don't come from God. We see it even to ourselves. Oh God, why? what have I done to deserve this? Why do we accept that we deserve what we get and somehow bad things happen because we are bad in some way? When we ask the question like, Job did. God, why are you doing this to me? We should be asking, look God, look what's happening to me. Can you help me? The idea that God gives people what they deserve is too simple a solution, however attractive it may be. It teaches people to blame themselves and it creates guilt where there should be none. Sadly, Even more so, it it makes us hate God, and more damagingly, it makes us hate ourselves. What What if we take a different approach and say that God is not the cause of our suffering, and it's not his will that we suffer? The psalmist writes, I lift mine eyes to the hills, from whence my help does come. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Note, he does not say, my pain comes from the Lord, or my tragedy comes from the Lord. He says, my help comes from the Lord. Look what's happening to me. Can you help me, Lord? When we can get beyond our feelings of guilt and anger that separate us from God at these times, we will see that he is there to help us in our tragedies. We turn to God Not to be judged or forgiven, but to be strengthened and comforted. In the reading, Jesus turns his attention away from the killing of the Galileans and the questions that people are asking. He wants to talk about repentance and how to look at things differently. Right there, after these terrible raw events have happened, he he says, unless you repent, you will perish, not just once, but twice. I think he has their attention. These tragic events show how fragile life is and he tells them with an urgency to repent because life is given as an opportunity to seize with both hands God's grace and love for each and every one of us today also. Let's remind ourselves what repentance means again. It refers to a change of mind to a new way of seeing things, or taking a different perspective. Does that sound familiar? I'm sure you, re- you will record times that you've done just that. I know I have. And it's called repentance, and that's just what Jesus is asking them to do. The second half of the reading is a parable. 
As we know, Jesus uses parables to illustrate in a simple way a particular point he's trying to get across. He puts it in terms that the Galileans will understand. This fig tree is growing, but it has not borne fruit in three years. And that may continue for many years. Fig trees are common, but they have deep roots and large branches, and they take up ground that could be used for more vines. The fig tree represents the human heart, our heart. How many times have we had a shrub in the garden and year after year there are no blooms and just when it's on its last warning your patience is rewarded. Like us it takes time to grow and mature and eventually blossom. You must be patient and give it time to do what it's genetically programmed to do under the right circumstances. We might say um, today that it's not achieved its full potential. We won't achieve our full potential if we don't take God into our hearts and follow in his way. Our lives can jog along, just under the radar, just surviving spiritually and physically. But that's not what God intended for us. Oh no, far from it. The gardener feeds the tree with fertiliser and agrees to cut it down in the fourth year if it still doesn't produce fruit, as it's just wasting the earth that it's planted in. That's harsh for the poor tree, but what does that imply for the Galileans? How many of them are wasting earth, as Jesus puts it? Jesus warns the crowd that just because they've not been cut down and had a tragedy befall them, does not mean that they are bearing fruit. The gardener cultivates and fertilises the tree, just as God does not leave us to our own resources. He nourishes and loves us like a parent if we choose to see and hear Jesus' message of grace and love. Just as we've heard earlier, we don't know what the shrubs in our garden are going to do year after year. They may do better one year to the next and then surprise us and give us a good show. They keep us in suspense and it's that tension between God and us that gives us life. What have we done with our lives? Looking back, there will be times when we've all had moments of eureka or an epiphany. Just a glimmer of, oh I see what he's saying. Is that really what he wants for me? You may go down one way and something changes and you take an unexpected route. God is working in our lives in these small ways. If we choose to listen and to see them. Let's clear up what repentance is not. It's not a form of confession after making a mistake or making a complete U-turn. It's more subtle than that. As I said before, it's a change of mindset. Unfortunately, there's nothing more powerful than tragedy and hardship to focus our senses and to question our own mortality and faith. In the reading, Jesus has a strong sense of urgency in what he's saying to the Galileans. Don't just wait for something bad to happen. Live your lives now in all its fullness. Lent is a time for thoughtful introspection, but not at the expense of not moving forward, of standing still. Repent. Take a different perspective. We're not being asked to be a completely different person. It's well within our capacity. That's what he's calling on the Galileans to do, and that's what he calls us to do.
So this Lent, let's be thoughtful and introspective as the season calls for, but let's quietly loosen off a few roots and get some soil and nourishment and start to be a fruit, which we're perfectly created to do. So how about it? How are we going to live the life we get to live? Amen. When evil comes upon us And we will stand before this house And implore you We cry in our distress And you will hear our desperate prayer And deliver This nation groans Foundation shaking Terror stalks The streets today Your spirit groans for peace Your spirit groans for truth Your spirit groans for justice We groan along with you Your spirit groans for peace Your spirit groans for truth Your spirit groans for justice We groan along with you Though sword may come stand before this house and implore you we cry in our distress you will hear our desperate prayer and deliver this nation grows your people quaking Today, your spirit grows for peace, your spirit grows for truth, your spirit grows for justice. We groan along with you, your spirit grows for peace, your spirit grows for truth, your spirit grows for justice. We groan along with you.
Loving and gracious God, we bring to you now our prayers for others and ourselves. In a world where appearances mean so much, we are grateful that you see potential in all of us, that you are not restricted to worldly measures of success and that you see the beauty in everything around you. We pray today for those who feel they have failed in love, in work, in life. Help them to see that even as a wizened fig tree has much to offer given time, so do they. We pray for those who are on the edge of giving up, on love, on the world, on life. Help them to see, even as a wizened fig tree has fruit still to bear, so do they. We pray for those in power, that they might see that they are not expected to have all of the answers all of the time, and that others can help them, even those who might not share their political views. We pray for teachers and schools entrusted with educating our young people and enthusing them to learn. Help them to see the potential in all of our young people and not just those who excel at academic studies. We pray for ourselves that we might understand the scope of your love from which no one is excluded. That we might understand that outward appearances mean nothing to you. It is what's inside each of us that's important. Lord, we ask all these things and many more on the words you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go. Be bold. Be positive. Be encouraging. Work for good. Live for life. Serve all humanity. And may the God of love, life and hope bless you today and every day. Mm -hmm.